We'll put a marker in, and I am ready when you are. Oh. So, right. you know, whenever you're ready. <laughs> whenever you get some time to start the show, that'd be good. Oh, I'm sorry, Jeffrey. Did, did you need to do something else before <laughs> we do the show? You need to, no, I'm good. I'm you, need good. To, you need to make up your face or something? <laughs> you need to put your face on? the day after christmas it's the 26th of december that means it's the last big show of the year bill La- last wait, big show wait this is the last big show last big show of the 2012 wow that's exciting uh, it is exciting this is the last on taking pictures of the year so let's make it a good one <laughs> or let's make it the best one the best one ever. Yeah. I'm eating right. Christmas cookies while, while we do the show, but I think that's appropriate. because I think day, it is too. It's the day after Christmas. It is. Uh, so this is On Taking Pictures. We're a weekly podcast. We're here talking about the art and science of photography and making images. My name is Jeffrey Sidoris from FadedAndBlurred.com and Christmas cookie in hand, fancy photographer Bill Wadman. Christmas cookie in mouth, actually. In mouth. Right. Um, okay, good. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's funny. Uh, I met a fan of the show last week. In Brooklyn? No, no, no. In in uh, in um, Virginia. Oh, okay. Because you right, you went down to DC to visit yeah, the family. Yeah. Okay. Uh, my subject, Paul, last week um, was is 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 a fan of the show and a listener of the podcast, and 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 it was very nice meeting him. He said, "I said it's funny that this whole fancy thing has caught on." He says, "Yeah, an off an offhand remark in episode three or whatever it was." Yeah. You know, ends up sticking. It's uh, it's kind of your thing now. <laughs> it's your thing. <laughs> it's your show. That's right. Hey, how was Christmas? Good? Uh Christmas was good, you know. I mean, uh we had we had uh some friends over yesterday. Mm-hmm. And uh after dinner, uh, it was eight of us or yeah, eight of us. So there were seven of them and me. Well, eight is enough. Uh, Wait for it. And so I said to them, "Hey guys, you know, I haven't done my picture for the day yet, you know, I'm doing these ones in December and I said, "So we're going to we're going to recreate this painting." And they, and and you know it's one of those things where like you you could get everyone doing it and have them just reluctantly be like yeah okay you know I'll yeah, sit just here. shoot it already so we yeah. can get back to the drinking yeah yeah these guys were like had the iPad out and they were like zooming in on which character they were in the painting and like trying to like really figure out the body <laughs> mechanics nice and the outfits and like and then I think uh, I should be doing this I yeah th- yeah I think no I got to yeah. rotate a little more at the shoulders so that my head it was amazing. Like That's all great. seven of them were like really into like playing their part and, That's great. uh, and it, it came out really well. Yeah. Um, so it's just, it's, uh, it was, it was fun. So Christmas was good. And then we watched, um, Vertigo. Have you seen Vertigo? Sure. Absolutely. First time watching Vertigo. It's a, it's a great flick. Okay. Here's the thing. I don't understand why this is the best movie ever made. Is it the best movie ever made? According to some recent poll. Yeah. Really? See, I thought Blade Runner would be up there in the uh, best movie. Ever. <laughs> okay, whoever's making these lists, <laughs> they are not me. Hey, um, uh, Nikki got me this uh, this book from the uh, the faking it Photoshop ex- uh, exhibit that you saw at the Met. Oh, the image manipulation one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it is fantastic. The book's so good. Far. All right, yeah, we should we should really put good. the uh, we should put the link back in the show notes if people yeah. say you say it's long, right? It's like three hundred pages. It's almost three hundred pages, uh, and it's it's very nice paper, and there's a lot of information in there. Okay, then a lot we're... of the folks that we've covered on the show, and uh, even more that we haven't. So very cool. Wow. 
Yeah. Hey, and one other thing I'd like to say that last week we mentioned this uh, this uh, article. Where's that article? Here we go. In the Economist about uh, the film going out of business, right? And it w- it was called Rage Rage Against the Dying of the Dark, right? Uh, which of course I was trying to think of what it was a reference to, and it's actually a reference to a Dylan Thomas poem, where it says in the third line is Rage Rage Against the Dying of the Light. Ah, okay. Which I knew, and I just couldn't quite place. Yeah, we and again, put that in the show notes. Dylan Thomas died like at you know thirty something years old, so I think he was younger huh. than me. You ever have that weird thing where? people are younger than you who have done all these great things all the time. <laughs> like, I mean, and not just like great things like, you know, Oh, some kids, you know, this phenom, whatever, but people you respected when you were a kid and you realize what age they were when they did the things that you respect them for. Yes. Like I will be turning 38 next week. And that's the age that, uh, Neil Armstrong was when he walked on the moon. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Well, think about this. Freddie Mercury wrote Bohemian Rhapsody when he was 16 years old. Yeah, but who the hell is he? <laughs> who is he? Yeah. Could he take Come a picture? On. You know? <laughs> Could he take... Okay. Yeah. Arguably the greatest front man in... Uh, yeah. Okay. But you know, yeah, couldn't yeah, take great. a picture. He can so sing. He can dance. But what else yeah, can he do? Screw him. What have you done for me lately? <laughs> Um, but, uh, anyway, so yeah, so Dylan Thomas, uh, that's good there. Hey, so last week, uh, 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 our friend over at Petapixel, Michael Zhang, Mm -hmm. put up a post of my, uh, article, uh, or or my uh, motion photos. Yeah. Your motion photos. Yep. Sure. So I, I go look at the, uh, comments at the bottom. And, you know, we had this conversation the other day about community, right? We were mm-hmm. talking about – because we were talking about uh, getting off of Instagram because, you know, we don't like the terms of service. Right. And my argument was, why are you using these things in the first place? Why not you just make your own place, right? Right. And part of the problem that I have is that I am not – I'm not into – community. I I love doing this show and I love that people are listening to us talking about this stuff. And I love the idea that people are out there discussing these topics, mm-hmm. but I'm not particularly interested in looking at everyone's new pictures every day and commenting on them. And I, I just, it's just not my, I, I'd rather be making stuff than looking at other people's stuff. Right. But that's, that's what you get with the flickers, the Instagram, the 500 pixels. You get that strong sense, right. potentially strong sense of community. Right. And, and some of the people on there are you know incredible photographers and a lot of the conversations are really good and, and the whole nine yards, right? Um, but it, there's, there's, there's this, there's this uh, on, on this post, there is these, there's trolls out there. On the internet, there are trolls? Who are just like just pooping on everything just to do it, right? Right. So here's so there's this guy, his his and I just bring this up because this is like the genius of this stuff. His name is his handle is Man's Game, and it said, "All been done a million times. At least maybe he could have done something, some exciting lighting or something. But nah, just put the camera on a tripod, used a long shutter, and bam, profit." 
as if I'm making a million dollars off of this art I've been doing, right? Right. The next guy, some guy comes to my defense and says, done a million times, quote unquote, is perhaps the most stupid comment anybody could make. These photo, these are photographs, not technical exercises. And the guy then replies back and he said, I doubt they even used manual mode, probably aperture priority. At least it looks like they turned <laughs> off auto ISO. So bravo, sir. You are an artist. <laughs> right? Dick. Yeah. Right. And I'm kind of like, Wow. You first of all, you know. I mean, you, if if you're gonna, if all you're gonna do is tear it down without any appreciable reasoning, yeah, then just shut up. Yeah, and you know what? If you're gonna start tearing me down, how about you go look up the rest of my work before you say that all I ever use is auto ISO and aperture priority? Right. You know, like I think that I'm pretty good at this, and I think that I'm fairly accomplished. So, <laughs> you know, it's just it's just. Gen- but see, that's the thing is that these people are not they're not commenting on. It. So, if this is what community is, then I don't want community. Well, I don't know that it's an accurate okay cross section. Well, yeah, I mean, I, I mean, look at look at the, the 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 community in a limited sense of of what we get from listeners we well, get that fantastic stuff is fantastic emails. we get yeah. questions yep. there's there's constructive discussion so i think it's 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 sort of the nature of the beast with certain sites or certain types of posts yep. that are going to elicit these kinds of comments right but i don't think that that it's a black ball of community in general because i think there are some very fa- there very okay. fine communities okay. out there sure no there are but here's the thing okay so some of the other comments right Fantastic work. Amazing. Wow. Like this kind of stuff, right? Right. It seems like in a lot of the sort of comments on photographs, and this this goes all the way on to stuff on my blog and when I post stuff on Facebook for people to see or whatever it is, it's either it's either just this sort of like, oh wow, that's great, or it's ripping you down. Like there's there's very little actual discussion in the middle, you know? At least when when it's in, when like and comments on an individual photograph, there are a lot of things like on Flickr. There's those communities sure. and forums, and some of those discussions get good. But a lot and, of this stuff just seems like a big echo chamber to me. Well, and for whatever reason, it seems like there. I mean, as a gross generalization, it seems like there is more effort put into negative commentary often than positive commentary. Okay. You know, positive comments, you do get the awesome, love it, great. Yeah. Uh, but on the flip side, you don't get hate it, don't like it, doesn't work. You get right. these sort of long drawn out reasons for why I don't like this or why I do, you know, right. think it doesn't work or, or whatever. And I, I don't think that's, first of all, I don't think it's helpful. Right. Um, uh, unless it's constructive in the sense that you go, hey, you know what, maybe you could have tried this or what were you thinking about, about when you, when you did that? Right. Um, rather than just sort of slamming and going, oh, you know, the auto ISO aperture priority thing. Yeah, right. Which just, I don't know, that it bothers me a little bit because these pictures were actually much more difficult to do than he's making it out to be. Right. Well, and, yeah. and the other thing is, I know a lot of photographers who use aperture priority and they're amazing. Sure. You know, so, so what? I use aperture priority all the time, but that's not, but it's not that I wouldn't know what to do. You know what I'm right. saying? Like that, that's. Right. Um, and I just love the idea that he thinks that there's profit in this kind of stuff. There's no profit in this kind of stuff. Uh, th- there are very, very few. There's very little profit. Fine art in... photographers making a, making a living doing just fine art photography. Exactly. 
You know, and Very that's what kind of kills me. Like this idea that like, oh, here's another guy just trying to, he's going to make a million dollars. So yeah. it's like, no, yeah. I don't so think so. So not only dude. are you ignorant, you're uninformed. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> and it just, it, it, it reminds me of that scene in Pollock where they're all at the bar. It's like him and de Kooning. Yep. And they're all at the bar and they start, th- and, and, you know, th- th- here's the thing. They were all artists and they were sitting there around the table talking but they weren't really talking about art. No. And even- they were, they were kind of lamenting those that had, in their minds, been doing crap work but had made it. Right. And 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 then, you know, he, he starts uh, – one of the guys starts throwing out names and Pollock gives these sort of one or two word answers about, like, you know, what he thinks of them. Right. Picasso. And, he's yeah. a hack. Yeah. You know, yeah. De Kooning this, whatever. And De Kooning's sitting there, right? It's like Val right. Kilmer's playing De Kooning, right? Right. And what I liked about that that conversation was that the, the the conversation they were having is much more what we're having now. They weren't sitting around going, hey, uh, Willem, you know, what brush did you use on that painting? Right, right. You know, it wasn't, it wasn't, it wasn't, oh, you know, did, when you, when you took your paint, did you, did you thin it with this kind of distillation? It's, it didn't, that's not what they were discussing. They weren't talking about the act of painting. They were talking about the act of painting. Right. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, sure. I mean, it's, uh, it's, look, it's, I've watched that movie probably a dozen times. And every time I watch that movie, I, I see something that I didn't see before. And it helps either break through or it helps me realize a direction that I missed. Yep. Uh, because it, it is, it, first of all, it's a fantastic character study, but it is about the process of making art. Yes. More than anything. And the scene, the scene where he makes the, he knocks down the wall because he's trying to make the big mural, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and he's just sitting there smoking a cigarette, just staring at the blank yeah, canvas for days. Yeah. Sat there and and yeah. and looked at this blank canvas, and then and then just like it's just the it's the music, it's the and you're just and then he just like stands up and like grabs the bucket, and you're just like yes, it's it's yeah, so yeah, yeah. it's so well done that like moment of inspiration is so well portrayed there. Mm-hmm. Um, but I just, I just, I love the idea that, you know, he was friends with all these big artists and I know it's a movie, whatever, but the point is, is that it's, they weren't sitting around talking about painting. They were talking about life and how, you know, and, 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 and in that it was inspiring or somehow informing their work. Right. You know that. Well, and, and there's the other, there's a, the scene, it's a couple scenes before it where he's just in his room painting. Yeah. And and Lee Krasner comes in and says, well, what are you trying to do? You can't, you know, you have to abstract from something. You can't abstract from nothing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's like, look, I'm just painting. Yeah. I'm, yeah, I'm just, yeah. I'm just painting. I it's love just that the scene. painting. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not thinking that way. I'm not trying to, to, I'm not, I don't have a thought and then painting. I'm painting and then you can try to describe what I did later. Right. But, but if you're turning words into paint, then it's the wrong direction, you know? Sure. Um, you, you're, it's sort of like then you're translating through because language. The problem is is that language is in itself an art form. So if you're making art to fit some sort of words that you've put together, in many ways, then it's just a translation of those words and not a direct connection to the original thought. Sure, you know. Sure. Um, it's just yeah. No, that's a great movie. We should we should put that in there too. Uh, put yeah. a link to it. if you guys haven't seen uh, Pollock. Uh, it's a great, great film. Yeah. Uh, um, and the idea that Ed Harris learned to paint and that kind of started him on a path as, as 
not another career, but an avid painter in his off time is pretty cool too. Is that actually true? It is true. He painted all the pieces that they used in the film. No. Yeah. I hate Ed Harris. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to look up Ed Harris, Ed Harris's paint, uh, paintings now. Oh, bastard. <laughs> He's good, right? Yeah, he actually is really good. Damn it. <laughs> I, you know, I just found a post uh, I was, uh, while looking that up. Uh, five, five movies about artists. Top five movies about artists. Pollock, Frida, Basquiat, which I didn't like at all. Vincent, I didn't like the- Vincent and Theo I haven't seen since oh, forever. And then w- old favorite, Agony in the Ecstasy, Michelangelo ah, okay. doing the ceiling. Sure. sure. Excellent. Excellent stuff. Uh, yeah. Ed Harris, bastard. <laughs> so it's Christmas time. It is Christmas time. Well, it was Christmas time. Yes. Now it's now it's after Christmas. It's Christmas time. Uh, and uh you decided to buy a present for yourself. I did. Now we're going to okay, we're, let's let's put up a, a a little spoiler warning here. We talked a little bit about gear last time because Jeffrey was deciding to get a camera. Jeffrey decided and bought a camera and we are going to discuss that choice uh as far as uh this is as technical nerdy gear related as we'll get, but but it really does come back to process. Yes, it is germane for a number of reasons. So, yeah. so I ended up buying the Fuji XE1. Okay, uh, and because I told you you should get because it. yeah, right. Um, it it seemed like an intentional sort of right turn from a DSLR. Okay, okay. Uh, I, I had read a number of things about the the Xtrans uh, process or uh, uh, sensor, sensor that they yeah. use in it. Um, and to, to be fair, it does an amazing job at high ISO. Uh, I mean, 6,400 looks fantastic. 12.8 looks fantastic. Um, but a couple things, one, it only focuses, it only locks focus. The, the particular one that I have locks focus, maybe 60 to 70% of the time. Really? Like and even other, in decent light or in low light? In in decent light. I'm in front of a window or, you know, brightly lit kitchen or just wandering around the house in the daylight. Um, there are, have been a number of occasions where I'm pressing repeatedly halfway down on the shutter button and it just will not lock. Really? Uh, now, this is now latest how does, body. How does it work with the – how do the uh, uh, focus points work? Uh, there are 59, I want to say, focus okay. points. Uh, and you can – one of the cool things about them is you can, you can enlarge or shrink down the size of the focus point, which is kind of cool. There's a little, a little box that, that appears around it and you use a little thumb wheel and you can, you can enlarge it or shrink it, which is kind of neat. Uh, I've updated the uh, – I got the, the, the 18 to 55 kit lens that came with it, the 28 to 4. Okay. And then I also got the 35-1.4, which is a beautiful lens, gorgeous okay. lens. Uh, upgraded the latest firmware. So it's, it's not a firmware issue. I don't know if I got a bad copy of the camera. Okay. Uh, I, I, if it's just a lemon or if that's the case, because it, apparently they're not cross type, uh, uh, focus points. Okay. So there's some debate on, on how well to use that and how well to approach it. Um, I've had some people say that that some friends that, that, that know that I've gotten this thing say that, well, it's just a learning curve. Well, Okay. Uh, getting the camera to focus shouldn't be a learning curve. Okay. It, it, that, that shouldn't be the bottleneck is, is the camera not focusing on my subject. 
right? right. I, I should be the bottleneck. Yeah, I sure. should be I should be the weak link in the chain, not the tool that I'm trying to use. Otherwise, it's not really the right tool for the job that I'm trying to do. Okay, that's fair. Uh, so, is is focus the big the big problem? Focus is is the biggest problem. Yeah, um, th- there's the usability of it, just the, the the overall size of it. It's it's very small compared to what I'm used to. Okay, uh, and the weight of it sort of belies the appearance. It's it's it appears to be this sort of metal retro, and it's beautiful design. Don't get me wrong; it's a beautiful design, but it's it's all plastic frame. There's a metal plate top and bottom but the innards are still plastic. So it's very lightweight. And I was expecting something, you know, you and I have talked about Leicas and how they feel more like an instrument. And sure. that's based on reviews and based on, on user feedback. That's more what I was expecting. And that's not what I got. Yeah. 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 Uh, the, the, the EVF, it's got an electronic viewfinder only doesn't have an optical viewfinder. And while it's a fine viewfinder for certain applications, there is a lot of lag when you're moving side to side, up and down. And uh, one of the nice features of it, when you're doing manual focus, you can tap this little thumb wheel and it zooms in, it snaps in to three times. So you can kind of check focus. So it's like a sniper mode in a first person shooter. I, absolutely. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, but the display isn't really high res enough to resolve fine detail that you're focusing on. I still would prefer an optical viewfinder with a split prism, to be okay. honest with you. Yeah. So you, you, you can, you can see better. You think an optical viewfinder has more resolution than the screen that's in there. I, I, it's a weird comparison, but yes, I mean, it's a beautiful viewfinder. It's probably the best electronic viewfinder I've seen, Yeah. but there's still some lag when moving back and forth, um, when panning, uh, and, and the, the idea that it just doesn't lock. And, I don't want to have to compose my shot around the limitation of a sensor or of the technology that I'm using. That, that shouldn't be the process, right? Right. Uh, so, you know, those of you that, that have seen this thing or have used it, maybe you've had different experiences, but I think it's going back. Uh, the other day, uh, my subject, Paul, down in, down in Virginia, he had an X100. Mm-hmm. So that's like the mid-range one, I guess. Sure. Yeah, I think it's, I think it's the one down from the from the X. And it has a, um, a fixed lens, right? So it's sort of like a fifty millimeter lens fixed, um, fifty millimeter equivalent. I think it's like a thirty-five or whatever. And it's got a EVF and optical viewfinder, and you flip a little switch, and it jumps between them. Okay. And the little switch is sort of in front, like not where the shutter is, but like sort of on the front side of the body where the shutter is. There's like this little f- switch you flip. Okay. Like like where like a depth of field preview switch would be. Yeah. Somewhere like that kind of thing. Yeah. Okay. So you can flip, you, you could flip between the two. And the nice thing about it is the optical viewfinder actually gives you frame lines like, uh, like an old school rangefinder would to show you where the actual frame of the photograph is. But you oh, can neat. still see a little bit outside the edges. So when you're uh, composing, you could get a better sense of the uh, environment around it. Mm-hmm. Um, it was pretty neat, I have to admit. Like if I was going to get a second camera to like travel with and that kind of stuff to like cities, like right. if you were going to like go to Europe or whatever it is, I'd say that this would be a fantastic little camera to use. Um, but again, it's I think it's twelve hundred bucks. Yeah, I and mean, that's the thing. The, the XE1 was 
thirteen ninety nine for the the kit, and then another six hundred for the thirty five. Yeah, you know, yeah. so it's a lot. Uh, the other thing is, I I shoot left eye, so my left eye is at the viewfinder, and I leave my right eye open, so I can kind of be a, aware of the the surroundings. Yeah, and on a on a DSLR with the prism higher, that's not a problem. But on one of these smaller cameras where it's it's basically just a brick. Right. Um, my eye is up against the back of the camera and my nose is pressed against the LCD, which right, right. doesn't really work for me. Right. It's interesting, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Because so many people swear by those cameras uh, or, or are really, really excited about them. And it, But there, I've met a f- couple of people like you who are just sort of like, you know what, even though we don't require uh, a mirror and a, and a, and a prism anymore, Mm-hmm. That like, you know, we've ways to do this electronically and the sensor could be like, and then we could have a little TV set in there. The experience isn't the same for me. It's very different. It, yeah. it, it's, it, it, you know, we've used this example before where like you're watching a film and you go, wow, that was great special effects scene. Right. Well, if you're noticing that it was great special effects scene, then, then it, well, it right. really wasn't a great special effects right. scene. And that's, that's kind of what I was, I was more concerned with in the, in the few days that I've had this thing is looking at the viewfinder going, wow, this is really good for an electronic viewfinder, but that's, that's not really what I should be focusing on when using the camera. Right. Yeah. No, true. So I don't know. Um, my thought was to, I I thought about trying to maybe send it back and get an X pro one because it's got the hybrid optical. Yep. And much more. Uh, actually it's not too much. You can, they have a deal going right now where you can get the, you can take $300 off on the 35. So basically it would be like 1600 and change for the X pro and the 35 which again is a gorgeous lens. I mean, it's, it's tack sharp. So you could uh, try when that it, when it focuses and then don't get the zoom. For Maybe. Now. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, it's, so okay, well, tell me about the files, though. I mean, other than the noise, did you? Here's the other problem: Aren't people saying that like there's no good raw conversion software? Isn't there like a whole it's, thing about that? Yeah, it's not as good, but I got to tell you, the JPEGs that this thing spits out are beautiful. Yeah, I've heard that. They are gorgeous. Hmm. Um, but you know, you still, I, I think you still want that headroom. You still want the flexibility of. Yeah of capturing the raw data to the sensor. That's what you really want. And, and it's, I'm sure it's a matter of time. It's a, a 7.4 or 7.5 release of camera raw or whatever it is, and they'll get it ironed out. Um, well, apparently I, I read somewhere that Fuji is not sharing the technical stuff with other people. Oh, is that, is that what the, what's going on? So they're having yeah. to kind of reverse engineer their raw format? Exactly. And because of the, because of the sensor, the, you know, it's not a Bayer sensor, so it's like a whole new ball game. So they oh. don't, they don't want to share that information with other people. Interesting. That's what I read somewhere. What about highlights? If when things blow out, is it pretty or is it ugly? Uh, I, they're pretty smooth from, from what, again, what limited testing I've done in the, in the three days that I've had it, um, it's all pretty smooth. There's detail in the shadows. There's not a lot of color noise um, in in the shadows. It's it's very clean. Uh, I just I just wish the experience of using it was a little better for me. Maybe and, it would, maybe it would be better with a grip. <laughs> you know the, the the X Pro One has a has a grip. Yeah, so that's no, good. I'm sure it does. <laughs> um, 
Yeah, yeah you know, I don't know. It's, I, I will be. I'll be honest. I'm surprised you didn't like it. it me and, too. And that's not a judgment on your deci- your judgment. It's it's just sort of a huh. I'm I'm, I'm I, I thought that maybe you'd get it and be like, oh, this is so exciting, because it is a much different way of taking pictures. Yeah. Well, and look, the usability of the camera, the way it's designed, uh, you've got, you know, the thumb wheel for EV. You've got uh, just simple dials for shutter speed. There are true aperture rings that feel very uh, uh, smooth and responsive. Yeah. I mean, it's it's beautiful design. And it it, I don't know if maybe I just got a bunk one, you know, I I don't know if it's worth calling B&H and saying, look, I want to try one more of these things. Uh, and maybe just do the 35 instead of the kit. Yeah. Um, well, you know what? Fine. Let's, let's, I mean, if anybody out there has one of these things and you know, if you want to write to Jeffrey, it's a, uh, you could write to podcast on taking pictures.com and let Jeffrey know if his experience is odd. You know, if you, yeah, if you have yours do. and your, and your, your focus works great, then maybe he should try a different one. But uh, yeah, I'll sit on it for a couple of days and see if, uh, if people kind of write in, I'd love to hear, anybody's response from either the, the XE one or the X pro one as yeah. well. Uh, yeah. because I, I do love the idea of, like I said, it's an intentional right turn from a DSLR. I like, I like that idea a lot. I was just disappointed in the actual focus performance more than sure. anything else. Does it feel like a pro camera or does it feel like a, a, a high end consumer camera? You know, that's a really blurry line anymore. I, I and, understand that. And it's a, it's a very loaded question. I just mean, yeah. that, you know, does it feel like, if this was your only camera and you were using it all day long, you would get frustrated with uh, user so. UI choices and you know what I mean? I, I don't think so. The UI is really nice. It's clean. Uh, it's responsive, the the software very, and everything? Okay. Very. Yeah, very. Um, I do question, and you and I have talked about this, I, I question the perception of turning up at a shoot with one of these cameras. Yeah, I don't think that'd be an issue. Not for the stuff you'd be doing with it. Yeah. You know, so, uh, but yeah, I'd love to hear it. You know, let's, let's please, if you've got a few minutes and you've had experience with, with one of these things, the XE one or the X pro one, I'd love to hear your thoughts. Cause maybe I just got a bunk one. Uh, you know, it kind of gets me thinking, I was thinking about your, uh, unhappiness with this camera. And the other day I was, I was taking a picture of this girl for the, the series, uh, jumping up on a, she was at like a, on a table at a fancy cafeteria of a school. Sure, sure, sure. And and just thinking about the fact that a lot of times with photography, especially when you start using uh, more lights and fancier kind of setups, you sort of start bumping into these limitations, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and then you, what you're trying to do is sort of navigate and 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 squeeze the picture to fit within the limitations that you have. You know, now, are these are these self imposed creative limitations? No, no, or are you no, no, talking no. These about are technical technical, technical limitations. Okay. okay. Um, for example, so I was taking this picture of this girl, and uh, and it was backlit by these windows, which I don't mm-hmm. know if you've seen this picture. Yeah, I've seen it. Okay, so it's backlit by these windows. For some reason, Lightroom keeps doing this really weird thing where it keeps popping open a secondary display thing and then hides it. It's very odd. Sorry. Uh, so. So she's there. It's backlit by these windows. She's up on the table and she's jumping. So I have a few different things that are going on here, right? I got to worry about the fact that I don't want the the light coming in the window. I want it to blow out. I want it to be like big bright behind her, but I don't mm-hmm. want it to be so bright that it just that it just blows out the whole room around her, right? So it's going to get right. really bright, right? So you have that. 
Then you have to worry about the fact that she's jumping. So you have to have a fast enough shutter speed that you can capture her in the front. But I need to fill the front with light because uh, I, I'm using a flash, right? Because it's it's too dark in the room. So I need to use a flash, which means that for the amount of power that I need, I need to uh, I need to keep it uh, under like two hundredth of a second. But even at a two hundredth of a second, her foot's blurring. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? And that kind of stuff. And it's funny how you're like fighting these things, trying to oh oh there there's a, there's ambient light and we have flashlight and then we can pump up the ISO to eight hundred to sort of compensate for the fact that if I stop down that far, you know, because I want to get some depth of field, so I got to step down a little bit. But then I need more flash power at that. You know, all these different settings. And it's funny how it's like trying to mush a a a like a a load of dough into like some sort of container it's not made for, you know, right, right. like we're just trying to keep the, push these things in. And I guess my point is that there still are limitations to what you're doing. Sure. Uh, as that, good as things have gotten, there yeah. are still, yeah. yeah. And, and it also comes down to what you, what you're doing with it. Right. I mean, you're, you, uh, I know that somebody sent in a, a picture or an article of, uh, somebody who was shooting, um, studio stuff with one of these Fuji cameras and you know, look beautiful and whatever it is. And they were using it with strobes mm-hmm. and that's great. But you know, th- th- that's not really, I don't think that's what those cameras were designed for. Right. Um, that, that, that every camera has its thing. You said that that camera is really light. Well, maybe that makes it harder to handhold steady. Sure. You know, because it's going to move around a little bit more. It doesn't have that sort of weight pushing against your musculature that, you know, sometimes makes it easier to hold things steady. Um, No, I completely agree. Yeah. I mean, when I'm shooting DSLR, I've got my forehead resting on, you know, my, like the brow, uh, that brow bone right above my eye resting against the prism. Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm pushing against me for, for stability and it's, you can't do that on these little things. Yeah. And then, you know, and then you look at, Say, for example, uh, like this camera, right? I was shooting this girl at, I had to shoot at ISO 800 because of, you know, the different other extenuating circumstances. If I was shooting with a medium format camera, I'm not shooting at ISO 800. Right. 800 looks like crap on those big cameras, you know? So, yeah, you have this camera that, you know, you have this some medium format back that can give you more resolution than God, but you really can't use it all the time in situations like the kind of work that I do, the stuff that I've been doing this month, I couldn't do with a medium format camera mm-hmm. or at least I couldn't definitely couldn't do with a medium format camera in the situations I am with the lights that I'm using, which is, you know, a handful of speed lights, right? Literally a backpack walking in and I've got my entire kit, right. you know? And then this is a five D three. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Okay. You know? Um, so it's just, it's just kind of funny that there's always limitations, you know? Um, I don't tend, I mean, I don't tend to shoot things that I'm really serious about above 1600 with my camera. Mm-hmm. I mean, I've done 3200, but I don't really like to because I'm a pixel peeper and I like looking at stuff, you know? Right. Um, but it just kind of reminds you that there's always, there are technical limitations and there are choices that you have to make when you're buying a camera to what you're going to be doing with it, you know, and how you're going to be using it. Sure. Uh, and there's always a trade off. Of course. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you, you, tra- you got to find the middle ahead. ground. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Go ahead. That's it. Um, the, one of the other things that I've, I, I've kind of forgotten about in this, in this search is uh, just because something new comes out doesn't mean that the things that are currently out are shit. <laughs> like, <laughs> you know? like, like the uh, mirrorless stuff? 
Yeah, well, anything. I mean, just because the the D six hundred came out, uh, it doesn't mean that the D seven hundred was a crap camera. It just means that the D six hundred has some better features or different features or whatever. Of course. Uh, when yeah. when the D seventy two hundred or whatever comes out, that doesn't mean that the D seven thousand is a bad camera. Yeah. No. Uh, sure. It just means that they're different. And I think one of the dangers is is getting caught up in that, allowing yourself to get caught up in that and going, well, you know, this one only has 39 focus points and this one's got 51. Well, some of the greatest photographs in the history of photography were made with, I don't know, one focus point. Zero focus points. (laughs) Their eye. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. You know, so it, it, it does, again, to your point, it comes back to process and how you use the tool. And as I said before, the tool should not be your bottleneck. Yeah, the tool I, is there to help you. I sometimes I think that I liked the pictures out of my 5D Mark II more than I do my 5D Mark III. And why? Uh, I don't know. There's just something, and I don't know that this is this might be just this weird perception thing with me, but it feels like they are. Um, if they kind of feel less organic sometimes. And I don't the, know that the, that's the Mark true. The pictures? Yeah. Okay. And and I, I'm pretty sure that that's not true. Um, or maybe the Mark III is showing more limitations of my lenses. You know, I find a lot more pictures where it's like, yeah, that's that's in focus. What was supposed to be in focus is in focus, but it's a little – it's soft over here in the corner, even though I'm stopped down a stop or two okay. from wide open. Like things that – like I don't know, maybe, maybe my lenses need to go get – calibrated or whatever it is mm-hmm. you know that kind of thing so uh, it could be that you're you're maybe the sensor in the three is is kind of creeping up on the resolving power of 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 my glass of which glass. which look what doesn't doesn't that tell you something i mean honestly mm-hmm. do i need more megapixels no because a lot of my lenses and i'm using good i'm using all l primes most of the time right um yeah can you imagine using like the 36 megapixel on the d800 what that yeah. with with some consumer lens yeah. Or some so, like manual focus lens from the seventies. What is the yeah. point? Anything over five, six and you're soft. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's actually going <laughs> downhill. Yeah. Yeah. You're blurring across pixels. Uh, it, yeah, it's interesting. It's like the, yeah, my, my limitation is not my sensor. It's, it's, and in some ways it's not even my lenses. It's my lenses plus my technique. You know? mm-hmm. And there's, there's another thing for the limits thing. You know, it's like, well, I, I need to have more in focus. Well, I need to stop down. Okay. Well, that means I need more light. <laughs> it's like, okay, so how are you going to get more light? Well, I can up the ISO, but then I get more noise and you know, you, right. everything, right. there's always this push pull in every direction, you know? And, and when you're in a shoot, especially if you're not incredibly, uh, experienced in this kind of stuff, your mind starts playing games with you when you're trying to like sort of come up with the ideal answer for a certain conundrum, mm-hmm. you know, cause the subjects there, they're waiting. Come on, let's go, let's go. We're taking the picture. Oh, I'm getting bored. You know, the lights going, Oh, the stuff's coming in the window. And then, and you're like, Oh, sh- Oh, I gotta, I gotta up this. And I gotta change that. Oh no, maybe that's the wrong way to do it. Maybe I should stop down this way and open that. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. So um, have, have, has every photograph from this December project been a compromise on some front? Um, no, some of them are exactly what I wanted. Okay. Okay. Um, Do, are you more satisfied with the ones that are exactly what you wanted, or are you more satisfied with the compromises that came together in the end? Uh, I am, tend to be more satisfied with the ones that are exactly what I want. 
Mm-hmm. Um, although, so I took a picture of my niece Agnes in a box underneath a Christmas tree last week. Um, on I guess it was the twentieth, and uh, it, it, we had a. Uh, I wanted to have Santa sort of stroking her hair, so we didn't have a Santa's costume, but we did have a uh, um, a uh, 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 stocking. You know, that was sort of red with the, with the oh, white. Oh, okay, edge. that's what that is. Yeah, so I just cut the bottom. I cut a hole in the bottom, and he stuck his hand through. And that's what you used as a sleeve. And that's Clever. the sleeve, yeah. Clever. Uh, and that picture, okay, that picture was taken lit only by the Christmas lights at 1600, I think, mm-hmm. at really wide open at F2. So, you know, pretty wide open. Mm-hmm. F2, 125th of a second. And I am focused on her eyes, at least as well as I can be. But it is not sharp on her eyes. You know, it's like, it's a little soft. Now, right. the depth of field is so short where her feet are blurry, you know, when you really look at it. Her oh, eye yeah. is sharp, the hand is sharp, but like the arm going up and stuff. And this was a 50 millimeter prime. This is, you know, as simple of a lens as you can get. You know, so there's there's always limitations, you know. Mm-hmm. It's like I didn't have any light. I did not have what I needed to do what I wanted to do, you know. Um, but that's part of the fun, isn't it? Sure. I mean, to me, that's that's all of the fun. It, yeah. Believe me, choosing a camera these last several months and and trying to wade through, you know, reviews and 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 all the look consumer reviews anyway. You're going to read good reviews by and large because if they didn't like the camera, they're going to send it back. Yeah, they're going to justify their purchase. Sure. So that's not the fun part to me. Is right. is you know angsting over which lenses and which bodies and all that's 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 crap i hate that you know i i want to get something that i can use and and get out and start shooting again yeah yeah, and that's that's the fun part is now okay now i've got this tool now i need to figure out how to use it now i need to figure out what it can and can't do so i can so i can learn what i can and can't do with it but as long as you can live within those limitations and you seem to be saying yeah this camera can take great pictures but it's the, 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 that this, this limitation is too much for it. The fact that I can't focus well enough or accurately enough, this is enough of a limitation where it makes this camera the problem. Potentially. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm, if again, it's, I'm willing to give it another shot that maybe I got a dud, you know, yeah. is, is that within the realm of possibility or is that the nature of the beast? I don't know. Yeah. 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 It's tough. But yeah. It's, it's the, the process is the fun part. The, the the process of anything for me, whether it's writing or painting or or shooting or or whatever, it's the getting from here to there that I get the most out of, that yeah. I get the most joy from. Sure, yeah, it's good stuff. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, we got a, we got a lot of questions. People like people there was actually a ton wrote in the questions. Of email. Yeah, a lot of questions and emails. And then and, and a nice voicemail telling us we shouldn't take questions. <laughs> was that Lee? Is it Lee that left the voicemail? It could voicemail? be, yeah. Yeah, I think it was. <laughs> which, is, which is a perfectly valid response, you know. Yeah. It, Lee likes what we're doing and says, just keep doing your thing. He, Don't he, worry about yeah, it. Yeah, he took the time to comment to tell us that we should not take comments. <laughs> um, which is a, val- a perfectly valid point of view. Um, yeah, it was pretty, it was pretty good. Um, but we did get some, and, and they, are, they are good questions and good, good conversation pieces. You want to you try to go through some of these? Yes, absolutely. All right, what do we got? Uh, do you want to start with Matt? Yeah, we could do that. Okay, so Matt, uh, let me see. Let me find, uh, learning film for the sake 
of Heritage. Matt writes, uh, hey guys, I'm about a year into my interest in photography and I've benefited a lot from your show. Thanks for putting in the time every week. No problem, Matt. Thank you for listening. Mm -hmm. uh, the thing is, I've only ever done digital. I know basically nothing about film and many of my hobbyist photographer friends are in the same boat. If I were to continue delving into photography, how important, meaningful, worthwhile is it to retroactively learn about film as well? Is there something about the heritage of photography that demands or requests that I at least go back and learn a little about shooting and processing it? I value history, and I feel like something will be lacking if I skip it, but I thought I'd see if I could get some other perspective before investing the money in it. But is history in and of itself worth doing this? Uh, well, just as a little aside, this is kind of interesting. I live and work in Iraq, and my camera work is largely of a documentary nature. I've found several old overpriced film cameras at the local used bazaar, but I have yet to pull the trigger on buying them. I'd have to learn how to process my own film if I were going to try this. Another option would be a Holga, but that hardly seems to have heritage I'm going for, or does it? Okay. Anyway, I know this is purely opinion, but I've come to value your opinions and would love to hear from you. Cheers, Matt. Uh, again, thanks, Matt. Really he, great question. He values your opinion, Jeffrey, so why don't you answer? <laughs> uh, Wait, let's, let's answer the, first, the second half first. Okay. Okay. Uh, if you... Overpriced cameras in the local bazaar. If you have, I don't know if you are American or a Brit, Matt. I'm assuming you are one of the two. Let's say that you're American. You might be better off having somebody buy you a camera and ship it to you. Um, if you yeah, wanted you to get, get a film camera, right? Yeah. Buy a Pentax K1000 or sure. a Canon AE1 or a what? What is Nikon F2? Is that, yeah. is that what the equivalent F, would be? Uh, F2 or FE. FE, uh, okay. FM, that's okay. another one. Yeah, these these old 70s things that literally you, if you got in a firefight, you could throw at the, the bad guy and, and knock them <laughs> yeah. out. Exactly. Um, yeah, they're a weapon in them themselves. Uh, one of those might be a better idea than buying something because then you know if it's coming from someplace like KEH or a used thing from Adorama or whatever that it's not completely shot. You know, from sure, yeah. Seals are going to be intact. Exactly. Uh, it's going to work. It's it's yeah. They've they've done they've done some degree of of quality assurance. You could you could probably get a, a K one thousand with a fifty millimeter lens for a couple hundred bucks, and then you know or sure. less. If, and then yeah. yeah, and then have somebody ship that over to you as a late Christmas present. Um, if you know Jeffrey's made of money, so maybe he'll send you one. Um, <laughs> to send your send your address to Jeffrey. At, <laughs> Fadedandblurred.com. Right, right. um, so what do you think, Jeffrey? Do you think, do you think that there – now, here's the thing. There's, there's two parts of this. There's one part which says, is it worth knowing about film? Yes, of course. Yes, absolutely. But – 100%. Yes. However, the second half of it is if it's a giant pain in the neck and I've got to process it myself and it's going to cost me a fortune and, 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 is it still worth it? That's, that's a little more touchy. That, right. that, that is a little more difficult. I, I am very thankful that I had the ability to start out with film. I, I love the process of it. And again, I'm, I'm very process driven. So for me, I really enjoy that part of it. Um, and, and there is something about, for me, it becomes an issue of respecting who and what came before me. And okay. that's just me. That's personal to me. Um, I, I will never forget the first time I saw an image come up in a tray of developer. And I will never forget that smell of, of fixer and developer. Once you smell those things, you can't unsmell them. 
right? Okay. So for me, that sort of solidified or at least at least initiated me into the alchemy or the magic of photography. And that's a little touchy-feely, but that's really how I looked at it. I mean, I was looking at a blank sheet of paper that had just been exposed to light. light. And then a few seconds later, here is an image. And that just absolutely blew my mind. Um, and, and it's, it's different knowing, knowing the, 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 the logic behind it, knowing the physics behind it doesn't prepare you on many occasions or in many ways for, for watching it happen. Okay. That's fair. You know, and, and that to me was, was a lot of fun. And, you know, that, that was where I lived for a lot of years. And I think had I missed that, I mean, you know, that's, that's the other part of it. If, would you know that you missed it if you missed it? Right. You know, if, if all you've come in through is digital, you know, it's sort of like, you know, do, do, do kids now miss records? Well, they don't know records, so yeah. probably right. not. Right. And the, and, the, and the guy in the 1930s who started using roll film, I'm sure there was some old guy who was just like, you know, you don't know anything unless you're making your own glass plates. Yeah. Yeah. Glass plates are where it's at, man. Yeah. You young kids. Uh, yeah. yeah. You kids um, with your plastic. <laughs> but it, it, is, it is a fascinating history. Uh, the, the history of photography. There, there are a number of, of really amazing stories that go along with not only the particular photographs, but the photographers who made those photographs or the models that appeared in them or the cities that were photographed or, 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 you know, it goes on and on. Um, yeah, no, true. And there's also the, there's gotta be people, there's gotta be some expats in Iraq right now who do mess around with film and are maybe even doing their own processing mm-hmm. and looking for and befriending somebody like that who could even take you through it a few times. Sure. Just so you can get a sense of it. It's almost like what you really need to do is maybe just take a film workshop or, you know, watch, hang out with somebody who's into this kind of stuff just so you can get a sense of what it was like more than actually needing to do it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like all the time. Sure. Um, yeah. Before you maybe invest a ton of time and money into it. Yeah. Maybe you're just like, ew, those chemicals are gross. Yeah. Jeffrey's weird that he likes this. That <laughs> kind of thing. Um, you like the smell of this stuff? Yeah. I, you know, I, I know the smell of this stuff. You know, it's, I watched that documentary that you had in the show notes last week about uh, Kodachrome. Mm-hmm. And the, the, the crazy process that it goes through and it like, you know, it's they, nuts, right? Yeah. They expose and wash off one side of it to get the, you know, magenta emulsion. And then on the other side to do the cyan. And then in the middle, they, you know, it's it, film and the chemistry involved and everything is fascinating from a chemistry point of view. And yes, there are some simple black and white uh, processes. I mean, people who are, are, are processing film with coffee and all this kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. But when it comes down to it, it is a pretty nasty process. You know, this is not, this is not, these are not the kinds of things you really want around you all day long. Uh, true. True. You know, have, you know p- having, having silver halide and, and, and developers that are like full of heavy metals. This is not the kind of stuff that leads to long lives. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's, 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 uh, yeah. Now that we know it's kind of nasty stuff, it's, right. it's nasty stuff. So yes, there, there's, there's sort of this beauty of film and, you know, this whole thing that goes beyond it. And, and, and I buy into that sometimes myself, but there's also a good riddance side of it, which is this is some nasty stuff and, st- mm-hmm. and, and the limitations of being stuck on a, you know, a particular, 
uh, film speed for 36 shots. And, you know, oh, I don't really have 36. You know, maybe you need more than 36 or maybe 36 is too many for whatever it is you're doing and you want to switch to another thing. And then you're throwing out all those, you know, film was also a big giant pain in the neck. Yeah. So and, and honestly, if, if, if it's the look of film that you're after, there are a number of solutions that are pretty damn close, if yeah. not better. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so it, it's, it's interesting. I think, I think the, the more of the issue than doing it yourself maybe is knowing what was involved, you mm-hmm. know, watching the documentaries, watching things like that genius of photography, watching the history of how this stuff was done so that you know where you came from so that you can break the rules that have been made over the yeah. years, you know? Yeah. Uh, uh, history of photography series, that BBC series, that would be a fantastic, yeah. if, if you don't want to actually do it, that's a great show. Yeah. Genius of photography. It's called Yeah, six yeah. parts. Uh, really, really well done. Um, and that sort of sets us up for the other question, doesn't it? From Rex. Yeah, go ahead. Uh, wait, where, let me pull this one up. Sorry about that. Uh, Rex says, uh, let's see. Uh, do you think the history of photography has any relevance to the modern photographer and is a photographer's style an aid or a hindrance to creativity? Another good question. Another good question. Then he asked us about Bill Brandt, but we're going to save that one for another time. Okay. Uh, what do you think? Uh, can I start with the second one? Uh, sure. Second one first is a photographer's style an aid or a hindrance to creativity. Uh, I think it, could be either, and I think it can be both at the same time. There, there are a number of photographers who are who are at least equally well known for their style as for their content. And to me, that's a that's a very slippery slope to walk. Uh, if someone is is commenting on my post processing style. In my opinion, I haven't done my job as a photographer. Okay. Uh, now, it's another – it's a shooting style. If it's, if it's a shooting style that you're referring to, that's maybe a little different. Like I, I, I like the shooting style of somebody like Paolo Reversi and it doesn't look like there's a ton of post work that goes on. There may be, but it doesn't look like it. Uh, okay. That's, that's fair. Okay. Whereas somebody like maybe like a Jill Greenberg, there's a lot of post happening and, and she is in many circles known for that post beyond her photographs. I think something has happened in the past 10 years that, uh, that the, that post-production has come to define a photographer's style almost more than anything else. Mm-hmm. It used to be about that you could see, you could understand that it was a particular photographer's photographs based solely on the composition of the image. And I don't know that that's true anymore. Okay. Ex- give me an example, like, like an Avedon type thing. Yeah. Avedon or, or Carter Bresson or any of these guys, like the, the guys who are really, really obvious, mm-hmm. you know, it's that, that, that. Carter Bresson was shooting with a 50 millimeter lens almost all the time. You know, it was one lens, one camera, black and white, <laughs> no post-production or, you know, I mean, stuff, normal darkroom stuff. Right. Nothing Rarely crazy. even cropped, if anything. Right. And, but you look at at least his famous pictures and they all have a very over, the, an overarching sense of something, mm-hmm. you know, that a, a perspective. And that I think that sometimes 
and I am guilty of this as well, that we overly rely on post-production to give a signature to what otherwise wouldn't necessarily be a cohesive body of work. Okay. That's fair. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if it is. Maybe, maybe. No, I think, I mean, I, I, there are a number of people who have been. You, you just described Jill Greenberg, her, her look as being her style. But is that her style? Or is, is, is the fact that she's taking pictures of, you know, crying babies with too many lights her style? You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. I don't know. Yeah, uh, I, I, I don't know. What she's no, it's on on some level, it's what she's known for. But yeah. that's a good question. And is, is, is she, that a style? Is she doing her own post production? I don't know if she does. Maybe she does. Maybe she doesn't. But if she's mm-hmm. not, then is it really her style, <laughs> or is it the people who do her post style, her retoucher mm-hmm. style? Mm-hmm. You know that that you're noticing. Um, it's weird. I think that I think from the other side of his question is sort of saying. Well, do you think that you can get trapped by your style? You know, there's also that argument, right? That if if you have a certain look and a certain way of doing things that you are less likely to try things that are outside of your comfort zone. I mean, we've we've, sure. we've talked about this before. Or less likely to be accepted for trying them. Yes, absolutely. You know, we, sure. we know you as this kind of style and now you want to do you want to do what? No, 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 no. No. Yeah. That's not you. Yeah, totally. Uh, and it's, it, that's kind of crazy, mm-hmm. you know, um, by the way, it's snowing pretty hard here. Nice. All of a sudden. Yeah. I just looked out the window and it was just snowing, ah, snowing the day after Christmas. Um, but yeah, that's, I think that, I think that's an interesting thing. And then the first half of the question was, do you think the history of photography has any relevance to the modern photographer? Absolutely. Yeah. hundred percent. Yeah. Um, uh, it, it, it lets you know concretely that you're not doing anything original. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. I, um, I think that it's, I think that it's important. Uh, it's the same thing with painters and and any artist, right? I mean, you're not going to pick up a guitar and not have listened to the Beatles. You know, you, you have to go back and listen to the Beatles and listen to Chuck Berry and then, you know, go back and listen to, uh, um, uh, what's his name? Um, Robert Johnson, you know, like you, you have to understand where it is. Here's the thing. The the body of work that you create is not created in a vacuum. Right. You you Well, and and there's a very valid form of of expression of learning and and mimicking and copying other people's styles yes. to to in order True. to develop your own. Absolutely. And and you look at a lot of uh very established photographers that earlier in their careers were basically rip-offs of some other big photographer because they were mm-hmm. still trying to find themselves. Mm-hmm. Um but I guess my larger point is, is that like that, that your images that you're creating are part of the larger landscape of human photography, that, that maybe in, in, in the grand halls of, you know, human photography someday after I die, two or three of my images will be good enough to be added to this collection. You know, Mm -hmm. I kind of think in that kind of way, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That my stuff is not created in a vacuum, that my stuff is part of a larger whole. And that larger whole is what you need to know about in order to add to it, you know? Sure. Um, Yeah, it it may be you seeing uh, someone that has gone before you that you go, I need to try something. I, I just, I need to try this. I need to try this. And that leads you here. And then by trying that, that leads you somewhere else. But had you never been exposed 
to that original sort exactly. of no, totally. image, yeah. you never would have gotten there. Yeah, yeah, totally. It's very, very, it's, yeah, it's, it's, I think that, I think that going back and learning, I mean, look, we do these, uh, photographer of the weeks, uh, all the time. And we have a lot of people who write in saying, I didn't know about that guy. Or I, you know, you or I will bring up somebody that I didn't know. You know, you'll bring up somebody mm-hmm, I didn't know about. Mm-hmm. I'll bring up somebody you didn't know about. And a lot of times they will inform or give me some ideas for later photographs, right? This sure. is not, again, this is not in a vacuum. Like you're going to learn, you're going to have inputs that, 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 you know, change things for you. And I think that that's a good thing. That's exactly how it's supposed to be. I don't know. Yeah, I think it, I think it's interesting. Um, so yes, I think that the history of photography has relevance to the modern photographer. Um, anyway, it's a good question. What, yeah, uh, what is good. the other question? Oh, Bill Brandt. Uh, yeah. You want to save that? You want to, do you want to tackle it? Uh, the photographs that I've seen of Bill Brandt's and, and it's, it's a lot of, uh, perspective kind of things and, and playing with the idea that there's something big and small, like in the same shot, you know, or like, you know, it's uh, there's famous picture of a guy's ear and then like the white cliffs of Dover on the beach, but the right. ear and the cliffs are the same size, that kind of thing. So there's this there's this perspective games going on, uh, a lot of really wide angle stuff. So things like big hands and small bodies and that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's interesting. I mean, his his argument that uh, Brooks Jensen do, do do I know who Brooks Jensen is? Am I supposed to know who that is? Uh, I don't know who that is. Okay. Uh, once did a podcast saying, uh, that he could not understand Bill Brandt's work. I think it's interesting. I don't, I don't particularly love it. Uh, but I, you know, maybe we'll add him to the list for uh, a photographer of the week at some point. Yeah. It's, it's, it's interesting for what it is. Yeah. But you're right. I wouldn't, I wouldn't say, Oh my gosh, you know, I need to have a print of that. Yeah. And I, yeah, I want, I want to mimic that guy. Like I wish mm-hmm. I could have made that guy's work. Um, it's, it's very much uh, perspective games in in my experience of seeing it. Uh, yeah, it's it's to the point where it's almost gimmicky for me. Uh I can see that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then you also get in these places where you're trying to uh 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 you know, you, you have to make sure that you you have to use a fancier camera to be able to get the uh the perspective right and the focus right. You know, you're, it's like um tilt shift lens and that kind of thing. Oh, okay. Okay. I don't know. It's cool stuff. All right. We got another question. Uh, we do have another question. This is from uh, Jim Azevedo. Uh, can personal vision get so refined that only the person producing the image can see what the image is saying? If so, is this really a good thing? Where are the lines here between doing what is communicating only to you and what is communicating effectively to others? Are those lines important. Now this is this this what I've just read is is uh, a small part of of a much larger email but I think that's that's kind of what we wanted to, to focus on. Yeah, there's one line in there that you didn't pull out that I thought was kind of uh important in, in the full email? Okay. Yeah, it what, said what uh, I recently I spent some time with books of two very famous photographers looking at the images and reading the text. I was stricken by the contrast between what they say they were seeing and the incredibly mundane images that went with the text. Ah, okay. Right. His argument being that, like, are these people so perceptive that they're seeing something in the mundane that I'm not seeing? Mm-hmm. Or am I, I – I feel like it's sort of like, am I too stupid to realize what they're – is so genius about what they're doing? You know, that right. seems like and, that kind and of – And if that's the case, is it really genius after all? Exactly, yeah. Or, or, or are you just becoming obtuse for the sake of being obtuse? Uh, the, I, that, I like being obtuse, so <laughs> – 
What? And that was our show. Thanks for listening, everyone. We'll see you. <laughs> I love that. You know, you know who, just a quick aside, you know, in the Shawshank Redemption where he's just like, the, the guard just says something or no, it's the, it's the warden. He goes, how could you be so obtuse? Yeah. 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 I Standing in his office. Yeah. What yeah. did you say to me? Yeah. 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 <laughs> what a, what a great film. It's such a good movie. Um, uh, what do you think about this one? Well, I mean, look, I, I think it's like any other, uh, photography is, and photographers are like any other creative endeavor or or creative people endeavoring to create art. Uh, You mean they're full of crap? Yeah. I think on some level we all are. (laughs) I mean, it's, you know, we all, uh, this is man versus society. No, it's not. No, it's not. It's It's a guy walking down the street. It's a picture. You know, it's a painting. It's a poem. It's a, it's, you know, it's a novella, you know, whatever endeavor you're, you're, you're trying to create, uh, there are going to be equal parts luck and intent, uh, in, in, in making something successful. Yep. And, uh, if, I don't know if there's part of me that thinks that if it has to be explained, beyond a certain level, then you've failed because photography is a visual medium. It is a communicative medium. So if, if, if you have to explain it beyond a certain point, is it, you know, is it really effective? Yeah. And, and I would say no. Uh, but the other side of that for me is, uh, does every photograph need an explanation or can it, can it just exist for enjoyment or to elicit some emotional response, just like a painting, you know, like we were talking about Rothko last week, you know, I don't know what was in Rothko's head for his paintings and some of them speak to me, but some of them don't. Yeah, I agree. So because there's, there's some grand story behind the one that didn't speak to me, am I supposed to glean, you know, some sort of, uh, inspiration from it? No, It, it either clicks with you or it doesn't like vertigo with me last night (laughs) or blade runner with you anytime. Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> with, like Blade Runner with me, the 17 times I've tried to watch it. Um, I, I completely agree. I think that, and I am, th- this has happened to me before, where people are basically asking me to pontificate on something that I made spontaneously. Mm-hmm. You know? Um, so, you, so you sit there and you try to come up with words that describe what you were what you were thinking and if you weren't thinking anything particularly you come up with words that you think people will want to hear that describe what you were thinking right right well this sounds good right they they you yeah you're 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 looking for justification after the fact right you're right. looking for the the thing that the thing that's going to make you look like a genius sure so well it's it's every about page or yep. every every you know give us a few Artist words statement. about yeah it's uh, everything you've ever written yeah and I hate – that's why I hate doing those things. Um, or I just feel like a, a heel when I am doing it or yeah. forced to do it. Um, but then again, there are people who are sometimes lesser artists than others who get further along because they're better at BSing about their work. Right. You know? there, there's some sort of implied importance no. when th- there really is none. Yeah. And, and that's the funny thing. You know, it's a funny thing about art and photography and any, any creative endeavor really is that you can spin it any which way, right? You can spin it down or you can spin it up. Uh, like and, a cork. And it's, 
Yeah, exactly. Uh, <laughs> but it's, it's, it's rare that – it seems rare anymore that we can just let work stand on its own without caption, without explanation. Yep. Just put it up. People, people want the context, you know, or the context mm-hmm. has, the context has, has grown more meaning than the substance. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and believe me, I, I love story. I love narrative, yeah. but I also, I also like taking my own narrative away. Yep. Sure. Rather than having something have to be explained to me. Yeah. There was a, when I was in high school, um, my freshman year, I had a, I had a, a, a civics professor, teacher. I forget what the heck his name was, and I feel really bad about that right now. Um, and he would give out each one of his classes. At the end of the year, he would give out an award to one member of each of his classes for the person who was the best BSer mm-hmm. on their things. And, and it was called the Golden Shovel. <laughs> nice. Yeah. And I won the golden shovel my freshman year. Of course you did. Well, see, that's the thing. I can do it. I just feel dirty doing it. So it's it's not something that you slip into. You you consciously have to become that person. Oh yeah, I have to work. I have to think about it. Okay. Because it's it comes, and it's not that it comes unnaturally. Like I can't do it. Mm-hmm. It's that it, it's I almost have to force myself into doing it. It's like a it's like a yoga pose, you know. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like some people are really good at getting it. Like uh, Heather will stand sometimes in like fifth position uh, ballet, you know, just because she naturally likes to stand that way. And she danced a bunch when she was little. You know what I mean? So she just right. sort of naturally falls into these weird positions that are completely unnatural for the, any any normal person. Right. Uh, and I think in in the same way. I think the art world has sort of bred this, these generations of people who are just so are, have been forced to, uh, be bigger than people, you know, I'm Mm -hmm. I'm bigger than a man. I am the Superman who thought of this thing that you didn't think of and then took this photograph and, you know, it takes on its own vernacular too. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And and it's such, it's such pretentious, ugly vernacular most of the time. Like Mm -hmm. it just, it makes me cringe whenever I read that stuff. Um, and I'm sure we'll get some nasty mail about that too, but, <laughs> but there's, there's this sense that just, it just feels so forced all the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, and when you go to galleries and you, and you, if you walk in the gallery and you look at the work and you go, wow, that's really cool. Like that's, that's all it takes. If you walk in and go, eh, and I understand that some art needs some context to make it interesting. You know, if, right. if I, if I go see a, if I'm going to a new museum and they have a big permanent collection, I'll flip through their stuff online and see the things that I like and then go read a little bit about them before I go see it because that makes seeing them in real life more fun. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm still going on that initial visceral reaction to figure out what it is that I like, you know, digging deeper. And, and why into is that so wrong? You know what I mean? Yeah. I think, I think because it, because it, 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 it it's a disambiguation between that, that you're, that you're getting rid of the middleman. You know, that, that it's, it's sort of not to get religious about it, but it's sort of this, it's sort of a Catholic Protestant kind of thing. You know, it's like, no, 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 you don't, you don't talk to God. (laughs) You talk to the priest who talks to the bishop, who talks to the cardinal, who talks to the Pope, who talks to God, you know? (laughs) Right, right. Um, And in some ways in the art world, it's like, no, 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 you can't decide what you like. Mm -hmm. You, you like what me, the art reviewer from the New York Times says is good. Right. It, Which it, I'll be honest with you, I uh, oftentimes 
I don't get that at all. Oh, and it, it's it's a much safer view, right? Mm-hmm. Because you you are guaranteed to you you have justification for your opinion, right you now. Uh, but but that justification should be beyond someone telling you because it's an important piece. Okay, I get that. You've said that several times now, but why is it important? Well, I I talked and to you the other day whom? about uh, what, what's the what's the guy who the the one who just got given up with the eagle on it. The guy you like, the painting we talked about it last week or whatever. Oh, uh, Rauschenberg. Yeah. Who, by the way, um, uh, well, I'll tell you after, I'll, I'll tell you offline. Um, so yeah, there, I don't understand why that painting is important. And I, I talked to my friend Eli, who is who is into you know was into did studied painting, and I've talked to you who studied painting. And, you know, there's this argument that oh, okay, now the can the canvas was itself part of the art and not just the substrate for the art. So now we're going to start adding things to the canvas in three dimensions, and that's like this interesting like concept, right? You know, uh, this artistic expansion, as mm-hmm. it were. And that's an that's an interesting discussion to have around a kitchen table for fifteen minutes after dinner, but does it make the painting good? No, and and I think I even said it last time. For me, that the actual bird that's tacked on is the weakest part of the piece. Yeah, you could lose that, and I would be much happier with that piece. Right. Uh, but but there's people who you know talk about that or talk about vertigo and say, oh, this is the best painting of the period. This is the best movie of all time. Right. And I look at these things and I'm like, you know what? If I watch these completely out of context of the fact that you people say these are the best, I'd walk right by them. Mm-hmm. And that's a matter of taste too, right? Like I last night I recreated a Caravaggio painting uh, as as my picture yesterday just for fun. It was sort of a, a little experiment. And I had enough people to pull it off. And I think we did a great job and everyone did a fantastic job making it. But but I would much rather look at old Caravaggio paintings than Basquiat. Mm-hmm. You know, like that's just See, my that's the style. Other thing. Basquiat or Warhol, I don't get them at all. Right, right. But they were important in the time period that they were in. And that's, mm-hmm. you know, that goes back to, uh, was it Rex's question about the history of, of photography? You know, whether uh, no. it was a gym? I think that was Matt. Matt? I can't keep track is of it all that. Can't keep track of these people. I don't know. But it, one of the questions. Yeah. Oh, it was it was Rex. He was, was saying the history okay. of photography is relevant. Oh, it's relevant. Okay. Even if yeah. you don't like the old photographs, you at least know the 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 the, the paths, the roads that that the community has walked on to get where you are today. Mhm. You know. Uh and how much of early photography and how much of modern photography is, you know, that there was, there's always this talk that, that, that painting changed so much because of photography, right? That starting with like uh, Degas and this kind of stuff, that the idea of things coming in from out of frame, which was right. never done, but right. happened in photography, inspired, informed uh, uh, painters to start doing that kind of thing in their paintings or that that painting had to become more abstract because realism was, was, was done. We, mm-hmm. we could capture real. Now you need to, you need to show me a translation of real. And um, it's so funny how, how often those things were looked down on where that wasn't just a, it wasn't just a commentary. It was a slam on some level. Yeah. Yeah, you know? but I think that the same thing is going – that I think that it's all coming – that that other visual arts painting and drawing and illustration were informed by photography. But I think it goes back the other way now too, especially with photo illustration and more compositing and mm-hmm. you know the kind of stuff that I to- like you know 
nibble around the edges of. Sure. Well, and, and filters and plugins. Yeah. I mean, those are, those are, I mean, you can, you can throw a rock in any direction and hit some sort of plugin package that was informed or inspired by, by painting or art. Yeah. That that there's this gray area. It's almost as if like the guys, you know, going back to your book that you're, you're reading the faking it stuff Mm -hmm. that the guys who were doing this stuff in the dark room and, and doing tricky little things, they were at the, they were on one shore of photography on the other side of the ocean was painting Mm -hmm. and that that there was this there was this ocean in between and the people who were playing around with it a hundred years ago were just sort of stepping on stones that happened to be peeking out across the top of the river you know Mm -hmm. oh i'll go out a little bit and yeah i can get into this gray area between the two but ultimately i'm going back to the photography side the dry land right and it's almost as if like we've just paved over this river like it's the winter time and it's all ice and people are out on the middle of it coming from both directions Mm -hmm. people grabbing uh, photographs photographs to use in their work and people using uh, basically drawing onto their photographs with illustrative stuff in Photoshop and the like to create these things that aren't really photographs at all, you know? Uh, sure. Yeah. No, there are hybrids on both sides. Yeah. And, and I think today, I mean, you, that's, I mean, your artistic work is very largely in that camp, you know? Absolutely. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Um, which, which I need to do more of, but yeah. yeah. Well, you know, what are you waiting for? stop doing this damn show and start, you know. um, no <laughs> and and i think that that's i think that that's kind of cool right you know, that that we we are in this age where the, it is really gray and, and definitions are hard to make sometimes mm-hmm. you know but it, it, the end result of that i think means that there are there are less hard and fast rules and you end up with a bigger pool of great work to inspire you Whatever direction or whatever side of this of this this ocean you want to be on, there is a fantastic amount of work to to sort of give you stimulus or give you input. True, and sometimes that can be overwhelming. But that's a Absolutely. topic for another show. Yeah, um, I don't know. It's interesting stuff. I'm eating a bit of the toffee that you sent. Nice. How do you make this stuff? I have no idea. Man, she's good. Nikki just. She's, I don't know. She's like an elf or something. Don't, don't let know. that she, girl go. <laughs> I wouldn't dream of it. Um, all right. Nope. So you think, you think we answered enough questions for today? I think so. We can, we can take, take a, a few more for the next, the next show, okay. which will be the first show of 2013. Very excited about it that. It's so exciting. It is. Uh, clearly it will be exciting. By the way, uh, of the pictures that I've done recently, Rex liked the girl on the stumps. Ah, okay. Oh, uh, by the way, uh, I have to put you on the spot and, and thank you for Prince. Oh, uh, no, 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 fantastic. No. Nikki blown away. Uh, Bill was kind enough to send us a couple prints for, for Christmas. Uh, rehearsal is one part of the December project and, uh, probably my favorite. And now seeing it in person, I think has solidified that party. Is it cool? Bigger? On uh, print? It's, yeah, it's good. It's good. You know, I mean, we talk about this a lot. There is something about a print and, yep. uh, it, it's, it's a, it's a really, really nice shot. And I'm, I'm, it will, we're going to get frames today. As a matter okay. of fact, you're very, very welcome. Uh, Thanks. interestingly enough, I printed yours, uh, if you'll notice on San Gabriel semi-gloss, <laughs> the better paper. Uh, and then I printed Nikki's on ultra pro satin. Um, that's right. Cause I know how you like the less coated papers. I do. It's a, it's a nice paper. 
I really like it that is. San I don't Gabriel. know. I don't. I think I like black and white better on the San Gabriel. That the color, uh, I'll give the, you that. The color kind of doesn't sit right on top of it. Like it feels, mm-hmm. or it feels like it's painted on the paper versus like a photograph. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it doesn't doesn't have the vibrance or the punch. Definitely. That yeah. The, the I mean, if you put had. them next to each other, you noticed right that it was Absolutely. like, oh, that one's like. Yeah kicks out yeah yeah but i think it really fits the subject matter in this case um absolutely and so, you know you guys sending us baked goods made me really fat <laughs> so that's right <laughs> uh so we have a we have a, a different kind of more modern photographer for photographer of the week okay and i didn't know this guy and i've, I've been reading about him and uh i i need to look more because is it uh, philippe or philip philip lorca de corsia there you go. Uh, Philip Lorca de Corsia is his name. Uh, go ahead. Take the lead on this. What do you think? I, uh, again, I, I really like his work. And there have been a number of photographers that I have been inspired by because of this show. And I think this is going to be another one. Yeah. Um, not only for the, for the photographs, but uh, for the process of getting them, which we'll get to. Okay. Um, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, so he's he's a largely a portrait photographer, a lot of informal stuff, but then a lot of very staged compositions, which uh, kind of feel like um, proto Crudson kind of thing sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, I could see that. Sure, uh, uh, definitely available light, but then like hard strobes also hitting on uh, interesting stuff. He did the reason why I brought him up at all today the the idea the reason why i i uh i i, I liked him was you know there's, there's some in his uh, wikipedia entry somebody said that his his photographs are more rorschach like that your interpretation of them is based very much on you the viewer uh which, which is kind of which kind of ties in yeah. yeah and he was the one of the cool things he did arguably cool uh there was a big fight going on in the 1980s uh about uh, giving NEA federal money, National Endowment for the Arts money, to people who were making what some people thought of as pornography. Right? Uh, Is that fair? Like, yeah, yeah. I mean, it was Maplethorpe. Was it kind of the right. center of this thing? Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So there was this battle. It was you know it was the it was the Reagan years. It was you know this 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 uh, throwback to earlier, better, more correct times. All that kind of BS. Right. Right. And. Uh, and this guy went and got an endowment from the NEA. And what he did with his money was he went out west to California, to, to L.A., and, uh, and all across the country, actually. But, like, I know that a lot of the ones I really liked are out on the Sunset Strip and stuff. Yeah, in Hollywood. Yep. And he would, he would hire male prostitutes. And whatever it is that they would normally get, let's say it would yeah, be not, not for sex. He wouldn't hire them for sex. No, no, no. But he'd say, you know, how much? And they'd say 50 bucks for, I don't know, you know, oral sex or something. And he would say, look, I will, I will pay you the $50, but I want to take a portrait of you instead. And he would use them as subjects for this project where he was shooting these. So he shot all these people. So basically he was paying them with government money for sex, but not for sex. And instead took their portraits at the same time, you know, in, in the right. process of doing it. Right. In, um, in his mind, he's just paying for their time yep. like he would any other right. model or subject. Yeah. And while also sticking it to the man. Right. <laughs> uh, and, and, and some of them are really beautiful. Uh, th- some of them are a little 
it's interesting. Some of his pictures, if you shot them now with digital, uh, would not be that great. Uh, and, and, and by that, and it's not, that's not a rip at all. It's, it's, it's more a limit. Talk about limitations that mm-hmm. some of his stuff is like, there's like blown out skin tones and that kind of stuff where if you shot right. it with, 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 with film, it, it pushes back a little bit where if you shot it with digital, you'd have to be much more careful not to make it look like a really digitally badly lit picture. Yeah. Uh, but but his, some of them are amazing. Some of them they are really totally, are. absolutely amazing. Yeah. Uh, and so it's, it's interesting stuff. Some of his later stuff where it, they are very like that, that heads series. Mm-hmm. Do you like that stuff? Not as much as I like the hustlers series and the storybook life series. Yeah. I think, I think that he is a stronger, I think his stuff that's more conceptual and more deliberate is much stronger than his, the other stuff borders on that style of portrait photography that kind of happened in the late nineties, early, like mid two thousands, where it was really flat lighting of people with blank looks on their faces, looking past the cameras or at the cameras, you know, Mm -hmm, you know, mm -hmm. that kind of, it just, it not exploitative, but just sort of bad. I don't, I just didn't like it, it at all. It kind of mirrored what was happening in fashion too. Yeah. You look maybe. at a lot of the fashion photographs from the day and they were that, that same sort of blank stare. I'm bored to be here. Yes. You yeah. know, I have no interest in what you're doing kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, and I'm glad we've moved past that. Yep. Um, yeah. But like I say, the Hustler series for me, really interesting. Color choices, subject matter, composition. I, I really like them a lot. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a whole other thing. What is this YouTube video you put in here? Uh, it's him talking about some of his work. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. Oh, we'll have to, I'll have to watch that, uh, at his home in New York. I'll have to look this guy up. Maybe I'll go say hi to him if he's, if he's game. Uh, yeah, but he's got a, he's got a definite, uh, a very distinct look and very much, um, strong visual elements and stuff. He, he like, he, a lot of stuff's about reflections mm-hmm. or, or, crazy available light. I like the one of the guy in the back of the car, you know, it's one of his yep. hustler series. Uh, yeah. and it's just sort of lit by the light coming in and then the, the dome light in the ceiling the dome light. Yeah. Yeah. It's nice. That's I like that. Uh, I like the one in the diner window. Yes. Like, there's a burger and you, the guy's looking in the window. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I, I could see the Crudson reference too. Yeah. Definitely. S- some of them. Yeah. On a like, much smaller scale, but yeah, especially I can, the storybook life stuff is very mm-hmm. Crudson esque. Like the yeah, sort of very similar world. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, but the head series just doesn't do anything for me. Not so much. Yeah, it's amazing. See, there's this, there's an example of like where one person could be really into uh, a certain thing and other people, eh, you know? Mm-hmm. Like you like some of it and don't like others. Uh, street work. That's nice too. Yeah, some yeah. of them are really nice. The one of all the Asian guy with the newspaper in his hand. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's a really nice shot. Wow, um, and then the one, the one couple down from there in the page you said with the uh, with the wasteland, the the movie, the theater thing behind yeah, him, absolutely. That one feels very Crutzen esque. Yes, you know because Crutzen actually even has that one picture with the with the theater thing in the background and the mm-hmm. woman. You know. Yeah, they closed down a whole town for a week. Exactly yeah. that kind of thing. Yeah. yeah, that was up in Massachusetts. See, I want that kind of budget. Did <laughs> yeah, you make you, that you happen? Got Forty, fifty thousand dollars for a photograph. Yeah. Because I'm selling prints for thirty thousand a piece, and I'm only making ten of them. <laughs> I'm in the uh, wrong I need business. to find that movie, by the way. I, you know what I need to do? I need to start spending more money on my photographs because that would make them better. You think? No, 
But people would think that they were better if they knew that I spent well, more money Well, then just tell them. them. Tell them that everybody in the photograph from yesterday, you had to hire for an exorbitant amount of money, fly them in from parts yeah. unknown. We rehearsed for this, this for one... days. We, yeah. You know, yeah, exactly. It's not actually your apartment. You went, you I went built all David set. Fincher. Yeah, you, you recreated your apartment on a soundstage in Brooklyn. Yep. <laughs> Wait. Mere, mere blocks from your actual apartment. I actually did do that. What do you <laughs> That would be awesome. Or it was a it was a diorama that you had built and then composited everyone into. Yes, yeah, 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 yeah. Actually, I shrunk everyone down. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're paper cutouts. They're, it's fascinating. Yeah, this wow, this guy's really good though. Yeah. See now, this kind of work speaks to me. I would hang this. I, I if I okay. could afford it, obviously. Yeah. Someday we'll be rich enough to do this. Yeah. Really nice stuff, though. Yeah. Anyway, so go check them out. Yeah. Philip Lorca de Corsha. There you go. Someone different. Photographer of the week. Uh, and uh, I think that wraps it up for us now. I think it does. Uh, podcast at ontakingpictures.com. Yep. And you know what? Really, uh, we have an amazing audience, and, and we really can't thank you guys enough for, for coming on board. And uh, we're really looking forward to continuing the show and, and doing it next year and, and for as long as you'll have us as uh, – you know, around. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's very exciting. So podcast on taking pictures dot com. Uh, I am at Bill Wadman on Twitter. Jeffrey is at Jeffrey Sidoris, E R Y double D one R. Yep. And uh and you can find us at on taking pictures dot com slash podcast. You can if you go there you will see on the right-hand side, uh, you know, there's shortcuts to the iTunes subscription to the RSS feed if you want to use uh, another podcatcher. Uh, also, uh, yeah, leave a review if you get a chance. Absolutely, and then uh, if you know if you're going to buy anything on Amazon, go through the link on the right-hand side of ontakingpictures.com, and you can help support the show, and it doesn't cost you anything. Uh, speaking of which, put up the faking it book because uh, it, yeah, it, yeah. it, we'll it, it really there. is good. Okay, I may have to pick one up myself. Uh, anything else? Nope. Uh, just, oh, uh, XE one X pro one users. Oh, give yeah. me some feedback. Should I send this thing back? Should I give it a chance? Did I get a bum unit? Uh, let me know. I think that, I think that cracks it. Yeah, that's it. Okay. See you in 2013.